I'm super happy. Are you happy? Welcome to the BU Find Happy Podcast. Here you'll find tips and tricks to inspire you on your way to happiness, to live a courageous life of authenticity, and learn how to speak your truth with grace. I'm Michaela Johnson, and welcome to our podcast. I am so happy that you are here and I would love for you to take a quick second and click like and hit subscribe. It is so important to help this podcast continue. And if you love what you're hearing on the podcast, you can continue to get cool stuff. All you have to do is go to beufindhappy.com and join the movement. Jim, thank you so much for coming on the BU Find Happy podcast. Uh, I have been listening to you on your other podcast that you're frequently on, Over the Horizon with Jim, and it is mind-blowing, the stuff that you talk about. You've been such an incredible inspiration to me and my part of, of my process and, and my awakening, and I'm just really looking forward to uh listening to everything that you're that you have to say and share with the world because it's truly just such an elevated level of consciousness i'm so excited well i appreciate that and thank you for having me on the show um yeah all i can really tell you is that um you know i'm 65 years old so i've been sort of amassing a lot of this stuff over time uh but it is one thing to um to do research. It's another thing to have a passion for it and to be uh, what I would call somewhat insanely curious. And um, if I was to use any word to describe a person who, um, you know, is good at amassing information, it is people who are curious. So I, I enjoy that aspect of who I am. Well, and I know you say on your website that you're a consummate learner, and I, I so well align with that because I call myself an ever learner. I, I feel like insanely curious is probably a very good description of who I am. Um, and I've, I've been seeking since childhood, just kind of never settling, just always saying, but why, but why? Um, and I'm curious, do you think that's, uh, do you think that's why the truthers are, 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 are being called truthers now, as in he arrived here in this lifetime to, to be that person, to have that role? Yeah, I, I think there's another aspect. It's certainly curiosity. To me, curiosity is a symptom of a deeper um, psychology in terms of who we are as physical human beings, as well as spiritual human beings. And so, for instance, um, growing up, there are certain things that just don't sit right with us. You know, we hear things and it's like that just isn't right. Now, everybody else doesn't have any reaction to this information at all. But to us, we do. And we don't at in the beginning, we don't really understand why. All we know is that that ain't right. That doesn't sound right. And more importantly, it doesn't feel right. And so we start to ask questions about that. Why doesn't that feel right to me? Why am I the only one that thinks that when I look out and I see everybody else damn about uh, this information? So there's that, 
you know, that stranger in a strange land feeling that we get. And it just gnaws at us. It's like that line out of the matrix. You know, it's like a splinter in your mind. And it, and it drives you nutty and, and drives you to want to know what it is and why and um, how can I get my mind around that. I, and I think, too, what you're describing is kind of that intuitive notion. And I think a lot of people, um, and I could go down the, the, the ideology of, uh, you know, conspiracy, quote, theory here. I think a lot of people have silenced their intuition and, and maybe not with intention, probably from the foods that we eat and the water that we drink and various different things like that. I mean, do you think do you think that, that that's outlandish to, to say? No, not at all, because uh, there's a lot of very good evidence. For example, I'll take fluoride, which is a chemical that is used in water uh, for, um, for teeth, you know, to, to uh, help uh, people not get cavities, which is a very poor reason to, um, you know, use it in a broad spectrum way uh, when people, no, no two people have the same reaction to a particular chemical. But more insidious is the fact that the fluoride put in our water system is not fluoride. It is a byproduct of, of industry. And it's a product that is expensive to get rid of because it's quite toxic. So when they came up with the brilliant idea of putting it in the water and putting this ruse out that it's good for your teeth, the American people bought it. Uh, but the documentation on the use of fluoride goes back to the Nazi concentration camps where a lot of human experimentation was done. And it was discovered that fluoride has an impact on the pineal gland of the human brain and causes um, an individual to be uh, calmed and subservient and not, um, you know, oppositional. And that certainly was a, a goal of any, um, you know, um, government to keep the population docile and not, you know, and keep them from rising up against onerous government policies. But, um, you know, how that got just morphed into such widespread use is an artifact or a study in, you know, people's willingness to accept these things because they don't want to be ostracized. They don't want to be outside of the norm. And this leads into the uh, people who believe in, in conspiracy theories. If, if you see something and you, um, your mind is open and, and you want to ask questions about that. And then you immediately get shut down and you get ridiculed and you get ostracized. Most people are going to drop it. They're just never going to bring that up again. And they're never going to talk about it again because they don't want to suffer that reaction. The rest of us, we don't care about that. It's, it's too important to us. And we would rather be alone and pursue these ideas than to, you know, be with the herd and uh, go for that safety. And as you were talking, I was thinking exactly, I've been doing a lot of research on the pineal gland and 
uh, the effects of the calcification from the fluoride. And, and then it kind of leads me to this greater two thoughts. The first one is, you know, how much of it was well intended in the beginning and then became kind of a darker force. Like, you know, in other words, they were ignorant to the ill effects versus the planned kind of intention, like you're talking about with Nazi Germany. And, and that kind of leads me to this other thought that I had um, recently posted that there are two different thought processes that these terms are being bounced around a lot right now. Uh, woke, you know, which is realizing yeah. that you've been controlled by a darker narrative versus mm -hmm. awaken, which is realizing that you are in control of raising your consciousness and manifesting the greatest good. Yeah. It, and two very, very different things. And, and so different, in fact, that um, I will put the term woke in a category of um, regurgitating hypnotic suggestion. When a person does that, then they are woke. They think they're woke. They're they're now saying things that they think everybody else is saying. So again, they're now in the in the herd. They're with everybody that that is in their circle, all saying the same things. That's when a person says they're woke. I believe this, and I'm with all these people, and we all believe this. Therefore, we're woke. Whereas when you look at um, you know, people who study Zen, Taoism, you know, people like Alan Watts, Krishnamurti, it's a whole different conversation. They are not at all talking about saying the same things as everybody else. They're, they're on a completely different path, and it's one of self-study. They go inward themselves and to improve themselves uh, apart from society and then see how they integrate with society. But that's not the goal. The goal is self-improvement for the sake of self-improvement. Alan Watts, one of my all-time favorites, and more recently I've been listening even to uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza, really incredible um, meditations, you know, energy healing and that sort of thing. Truly incredible. Yes. Uh, you are... And one of the things that we kind of talked about in preparation is, uh, is talking about, um, you know, kind of the darker evil driven things that have been able to elevate because they're high functioning psychopaths. And, uh, I recently watched, uh, Sean's video or it may not be Sean's, but it's on YouTube, a great, like 17 minute video that kind of overviews the whole QAnon movement. And it talks about, you know, you, you, people can conceptualize criminals um, as in, you know, someone who robs a bank or someone who steals from the grocery store, or someone who steals a car or somebody who does, uh, you know, a horrific thing to another human like rape. Uh, but what if and what when these <laughs> kinds of minds get into our roles in government and why wouldn't they be able to do that? And I think um, we were going to have a conversation about that. And I'd love to I'd love to kind of go into that direction um, because I do think there are a lot of people right now that are waking and are having a hard time truly understanding, like, how could this even be real? How, how could there have been this dark narrative leading 
our you know true world really (laughs) yeah globally i know this is this is a tough one this is a very difficult area for people to grasp so i want to give your your listeners just that quick heads up that um you know this is something that uh will make more sense once you start to see it in real life in your workplace in your church in your home, in your town affairs and things like that. So learning about it um, is a process, then experience it sort of brings that home in terms of understanding. So um, I'm gonna uh, mention um, some uh, two individuals in particular. One is Hervey Checkley, and he wrote a book called The Mask of Sanity. And um, he also uh, put together a clinical checklist. This guy, by the way, is considered the most influential clinical psychologist with regard to uh, dealing with psychopathy, which is, um, you know, a state of mind that is considered very sort of in the end of the spectrum of antisocial behavior. And uh, and the other individual is a, um, a a guy from Poland during World War II called Andrew Lobachewski, and he wrote a book called Political Ponderology, which means the study of evil as applied to political systems. Both of these individuals um, overlap in many ways with regard to the incidence of psychopathy and narcissism in the human population. And you're right. It's a very uh, unclear picture. You know, we have our um, icons of psychopathy, our Jeffrey Dahmers and, you know, people like that who do horrendous crimes, but they are considered, um, you know, low level uh, intelligence types. I mean, they can be clever. I don't mean to say that they don't have ways of getting their victims but their lower intelligence, lower IQ on the spectrum of people who have the same kind of brain abnormality, and it is a physical brain abnormality. And I'm not going to go into the details of that because it it gets kind of wonky, but uh, suffice it to say it's a connection between the frontal lobe and the cerebral cortex that um, is um, deformed. So... um, you can, but you can have those that four box thing where you have one box is low IQ, low psychopathy. The other box is low IQ, high psychopathy, and then the other two iterations. So when you have someone like Jeffrey Dahmer, that's lower IQ, high psychopathy. But you can have somebody who's high IQ and high psychopathy. And these would be the, you know, the, the, the Mao's and the Pol Pot's and the Hitler's and people who are very, very high functioning, capable of running large corporations, capable of running companies, capable of being um, extremely charismatic to a very, very large audience and who in turn can wreak incredible damage, you know, just because they command so much influence within a particular, um, you know, area or spectrum 
um, during their, their tenure. These are the people that really cause the most damage in the world. And these are the ones that we need to really try to understand and to um, avoid. And this is why uh, Checkley came up with the checklist, which is just a series of questions that you ask about an individual. And there's a three answer um, uh, process. Uh, doesn't apply at all, applies somewhat, applies a lot. Those are the three answers to every question. And you can use that. And it's really kind of an interesting thing to use when you look at modern day politicians and, and CEOs, because you have so much information now on the web that you can read and hear, you can watch them talking, and you can sit there with your checklist and, <laughs> and check it off and see where they fall on the spectrum. But um, if you do that, you're that uh, many of them score more than 30% on these checklists, which puts them in the psychopathy category. So that, sadly, is the world we live in. And over time, these people have found each other, worked with each other, brought each other into their fold, and created secret societies, you know, the Freemasons and the Jesuits and the, the Club of Rome and all of that. Uh, these are all these people. They love secrecy and they love hanging out with people just like them. And right now they rule the banks. You know, all the banking families have these uh, people in there at the head of those families. And um, when you look at some of the larger corporations like Google and um, you know, um, you know, Ford Motor Company and all those people. These are these are people who are like that. And th these are the people that currently run the world. And I say currently because things are changing quite a bit. And that has to do with the Great Awakening, which is what I call it. We in the in the current movement, I'm a Q analyst. So I, I use that term because it's common within our circles. Um, so, um, you know, psychological awakening is the operative term to counter the empathic uh, rulers of our world. I, I have so many, <laughs> so many cute questions and various different questions. My, my brain is exploding. Obviously, as you're talking, I'm thinking about how timing wise, uh, 20 some odd days right before the election here, by the time this podcast comes out, it will be you know, just maybe two weeks and Hillary's emails um, have been released and there has already been some very interesting things that you would see and say, why would she even be discussing this if there wasn't something darker and bigger? You can't justify this one away. And now no. it starts to make sense being a relatively ignorant person in 2016 um, you know, her saying, oh, well, you know, the emails were such a big deal. And, and you're thinking, uh, and I say relatively referring to myself, thinking, oh, it's going to be some weird, you know, embezzlement kind of thing, having no, no concept at all that this could be something so much bigger in terms of, uh, you know, dark forces and evil. And, um, you know, it, it just, it really has flipped my world completely upside down. Now, all of that being said, for many years, 
I've been feeling, um, you know, ascension symptoms and, and questioning things and um, seeking the metaphysical and all of that to try and make sense of what was a disconnect for me and what felt um, like there was something bigger, something more, you know, something I was here to do. And it's all starting to come together for me now, but I think there are probably a lot of people who um, are, are simply having this experience because of Trump's role in all of this. Can you talk a little bit about Trump's role in general um, in kind of awake, in, in the awakening process, in um, bringing some of this stuff to light, the reason so many people hate him, the all-out war from mainstream media, and even bigger, what's been happening with the nations and their capitulation? Right. Yeah, again, this is another um, somewhat complex subject, so it may be hard for people to, to wrap their heads around. But um, I'll start off by saying that all world leaders when they speak publicly, are not talking specifically to you, the listener. They are talking to a multitude of audiences. And so their words have to be spoken in such a way to reach those audiences and reach them in a way that their point gets across. And sometimes that point is overt and obvious, and sometimes that point is quite obtuse and um, and unclear to most of the listeners. So there's a lot of communication going on with Trump and the Trump administration. And that communication is directed at a number of different audiences. Trump's base, uh, the liberal uh, Democratic wing, the media, corporate CEOs, the military, uh, uh, presidents of other countries, people in other countries, et cetera, et cetera. So you can see how complex uh, that uh, those words would have to be to reach all those different people in an effective way. And I will tell you that as a Q analyst, Trump, um, you know, in, in, imbues the capacity to do this beyond any politician I've ever experienced in my life. It is quite phenomenal. Now, I will say that um, he has to be getting an awful lot of assistance from very well-versed psychologists uh, because um, that would be an absolute requirement in order to do what he's trying to do. And that's all part of, you know, the kind of people that a good president surrounds himself with. Uh, words are very important. And uh, it's not something you want to um, give, you know, uh, short shrift to. You, you've got to really uh, focus a lot of attention on that aspect of your presidency if you have any ch chance of being successful. Now, um, uh, well, let's see. I, I, um, I want so you can see how um, how complex that issue is. The other thing is that um, there are things that he says that are true. There are a lot of things that he says that are not true, and there's very good reasons for both of that. We know we as analysts, we know that um, we're not going to take him literally 
because that's the game. That's the war. And this is a war. We are at war with these dark forces. And so as analysts, we have to be very circumspect on what we're hearing and how we interpret that in terms of, of how we then turn around and try to explain that to others. Well, so, and just and not to interrupt your chain of thought, yeah, but, yeah, to, but to interject, you know, when when he when he reported the COVID thing, mm-hmm. um, and and I immediately said, it's it's the antibodies because back at in August at the RNC convention, there was a team of frontline doctors there, and one of them said, I I had COVID in March and I recovered, and he made the comment right then, then you are very special. We do not need to be afraid of you. Your blood is very special because we have that whole plasma thing going. And right. I, I heard that when he said that. And I thought, we're going to see this play out. We're going to see the antibodies. It's not going to be about the hydroxychloroquine. It's not going to be about all of the, the vaccine or any of this. We're going to see these antibodies. And literally, I was folding laundry, listening to the RNC with my earpods in. And I heard that. And I thought, it's going to be about the antibodies. And then sure enough, he, he gets the COVID. Yep. It, it quote gets the COVID. Who knows? Doesn't matter either way. Doesn't matter. No. <laughs> Injection of antibodies either way. And here and here now, he's got this story. And I, I had Red Pill Babe on last week, and we were talking about this because it, it, it happened at the time that she was that, you know on the podcast. And it, I said either way, his end game is solid. There, it, it, notwithstanding death, of course, which is not going to happen because we know this virus isn't doing what they had hoped, what the deep state had hoped it was going to do. They were hoping it was going to kill 2 million. It didn't. Biden slipped up at the, at the debate and even said it killed 2 million. I mean, 200,000 is because yeah. that's what they wanted well, it to I do. I mean, here's the thing, it. though. I, I, I need to make sure that, that um, we're, we're being clear about um, what this thing is. Um, the term gain of function has been used quite a bit with regard to this virus. And what that means is that they um, do uh, work on a virus. In this case, it's the SARS-2 virus. And they manipulate its, its RNA to make it more virulent. It doesn't make it more deadly. As a matter of fact, there seems to be a, um, a relationship between virulence and deadliness so that if you would So in this case, from everything that I have studied, it appears that they wanted to increase the gain of function. And this is work that Dr. Fauci did before they turned it over and sent it to Wuhan, to the Chinese to continue with it, um, is, is a, um, psychop- it's a, it's a psychological operation or psyop. They want it to be virulent because that is what scares people. And they wanted people to be scared so that they would be willing to take a vaccine for it. Now, this is a RNA virus, and that's important for people to understand. It is very, very difficult. And today, no one has created an RNA vaccine. It doesn't exist. When Trump started talking about making a vaccine, and he's talking to Pfizer, Moderna, um, and several others. What he was doing is he was setting them up. Setting them down a rabbit Exactly. That's exactly. Go go waste all your time, your research, and your money doing that, because I'm going to be working this thing over here that's all natural. 
using yep. the body's own immune system. It was freaking brilliant. The guy is 10 steps ahead of everybody all the time. Well, I this mean, is the thing, right? He, he really is. And people don't want to believe that. But again, it's not just Trump. It is this whole team right, of extremely right. effective people. And it's an extremely powerful organization, but at the same time, very under the radar. And this is why so, many, so few people get it. Well, and uh, back in April, I listened to Dr. Zach Bush on Del Bigtree's Highwire podcast about the coronaviruses. You know, they've been around for thousands of years. They mutate and move out of the host within two years. So yeah. within a year, we won't even be discussing COVID-19. They, they would have to come up with something entirely new because they, they mutate and move on. I mean, they've been doing this for thousands of years. And, and he even talks about, Zach Bush really goes into, I mean, a desertification, the roundup in the vaccines. I mean, he really goes deep right. into the more deep state um, efforts of, of poison and toxin, you know, in our, in our food, in our, in our soil, in our water, and how that impacts climate change and all that stuff, too. It's really spectacular when you get into it. Well, it is. I mean, it's spectacular in a very <laughs> way. But, you know, the bottom line is they want to weaken everybody's immune system. So they're going to succumb to even the more milder of these um, biological entities. And so, um, you know, they have a goal. They have an end game. And, and this is, you know, their methodology for going about it. And again, well, and this it, is darkness. Pure it's evil. interesting. When it's because... He, you know, if you're listening with your awakened ear, he doesn't mince his words. <laughs> he's no. very, you know what I mean? He's, he's so forthright and so forthcoming. And that's what really creates the trust. Um, yeah. I mean, it, you can see the dichotomy between his um, people who like him and his detractors. His detractors, all they do is focus on his brashness, his crudeness. Uh, his bombacity, etc. And that totally vectors them out of the game. Whereas the rest of us are like, we listen to him. And we, we, it's not like we hang on every word and take everything literally, but we're paying attention. Whereas nobody, you know, all the others are not. And so they miss everything. Um, they're not good warriors at all because they don't listen. So the minute that I listened to your, your podcast on QAnon FAQ before the debate that you guys had a quick one that morning and after yeah. the debate, the fly landed on Pence and I was like, what does it mean? <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking of Lord of the Flies. I'm like, all the cues are like, you know, trying to figure out like, what is this? Um, and I, I did end up seeing some stuff eventually on, on Flygate and various different stuff. But more importantly right now is you know, I had seen when Q posted the 10 and 2 clock, and then obviously we saw Kaylee's clock stuck at 10 and 2, and people started commenting on that. And then there's been an interesting banter and reply yeah. with the 11.3 <laughs> now. Do you, as an analyst, yep. can you shed any light? Because I'm really perplexed. You know, I I wish I could. I just, um, you know, this whole, um, and again, this is very typical of Q drops. 
going back to 2017, where, um, you know, basically Q says, you know, the future proves past. And then you've got these Q drops, which have deltas of one year, two years, three years. And then you'll get to now, and then you'll look two years ago at a Q drop and go, oh, that's what they were talking about, what's happening now. So a lot of these comms, when you look at them like that, and of course that Mickey Mouse clock wasn't just 10 and 10. There were tick right. marks that the were red. red. Ticks. Yeah, yes. and then the eighth tick mark was redder than the other seven. Oh, okay, uh, yeah, so <laughs> this thing, there's so many layers involved that, um, you know, it just kind of boggles the mind. And so for those of us who are trying to keep up on this, and there are people way better at this than I am, I can assure you. And I will mention a couple. Uh, Praying Medic is one, uh, Dave Hayes, and uh, Sir Patrick, the guy who does uh, In Pursuit of Truth. These guys are just have the talent. And and they go way beyond the Q drops and pull information in that make it a very, very rich uh, watch or read. And, um, you know, they really uh, do a good job of that. And the rest of us kind of look at their stuff and then try to make sense of things and 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 then put it into context for, you know, the more general population. Um, and that's kind of my thing is I I like working more with uh, people who are new to everything, new to the Q movement, and get them up to speed and uh, help them understand these things at whatever level they're able to do it. But even I have to admit that um, I fall behind on some of these comms, and this is one of them, <laughs> where clearly something's and they're having fun with it. I mean, the whole banter between Kaylee and... and um, uh, Grassley is just, yeah. you know, uh, it's really uh, wonderful. And, and it really gives us, you know, a little jolt of humor, which is always welcome. Um, so I, grew, but I grew up with we'll a see. dad that was always doing puzzles and various different things like that. I loved, I loved the book, The Da Vinci Code, although now I, I know yeah. it's real life. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I loved, I've always loved solving different things like this. I can't help but wonder though, if people like Praying Medic and them do not have, you, you say talent and I, I, I can't help but wonder just with where I'm at now, if there's not some other, <laughs> some other greater consciousness, you know what I mean? That's actually guiding them to solve these things beyond, beyond talent. Sure. Yeah. And, and I that, mean, um, Dave Hayes will uh, admit that readily. And um, and I, I don't know uh, uh, Patrick's uh, take on it in terms of, uh, you know, divine light and, and all that. But to me, I look at these people and I'm like, oh, they're channeling. They're just, yes. you know, they're open and they're pulling yes. in uh, information from the ether and God love them. You know, go, go, go. I go back and forth because some of these things with Q, it's like, how did Q know this in advance? And then that, and then that makes me start to wonder if this is all just a big coup on us, you know, it, like as if there's going to be some big bait and switch and that, right. that even all of the, uh, all of the now woken masses are being funneled. I, I, I don't know. I can't help, but just, you know, well, at the end of everything. the day, Michaela, we have to fall somewhere. And, um, 
you know, and this is where knowing ourselves is the most important thing. We all have to have a solid foundation from which we're operating. Otherwise, we're at the mercy of anybody that wants just throw stuff at us and say, oh, check this out, check that out, and lead us astray. So it's, it's, um, that's a big thing. And I try to get people to understand that, that you can hear somebody or watch something and feel that it resonates with you and feel very, you know, um, close to that kind of information. But if you don't have a good handle on who you are and who you really are, then even that is going to be dangerous information because you really don't know if it does uh, meet, you know, with your um, movement as a soul person. And, uh, and you don't want that. You want to protect yourself from that. And so, um, you know, knowledge of the world coupled with knowledge of yourself is what gives you that foundation and protection. I, I so agree. And I can tell you, and I've said this um, more recently on this podcast, that my meditations are becoming longer and longer every day, harder and harder to come back from them and more and more books. I mean, it, like really seeking, truly seeking. Um, yeah. And that's not to say I've always been a book nerd, but now I, it's like I'm really looking in all areas. I, and I've even talked about on this podcast recently how much I've been uh I picked up my Bible for the first time since college. And I've been looking at that too, because, um, you know, I embrace so many different spiritual concepts. Um, you know, I think, I think that anywhere that we can gain knowledge now and, um, and I've just had some really incredible, um, suggestions for reads as well. So yeah. this might be a good time to, uh, ask you a little bit because you are so knowledgeable about Nasara, Jasara, Everything that's been capitulation, everything that's been happening with that. Um, can you share with the listeners just a, a little backstory for those who may not even be familiar with what Nasara is and, and where you think things are headed right now? Yeah. Um, again, you, you're hitting all the really uh, um, interesting concepts. <laughs> um, I've been saving up these questions. <laughs> Yeah, um, no, and there, do it in an is, hour, I mean, it's very timely and very important. Um, so here's how I'll preface this question. And that is to say that we, um, we look at the world and we all think, okay, we live on this planet and we're all sharing this experience and we all see and hear and, and understand the same things and nothing could be farther from the truth. There's so much that's going on in our world that is absolutely hidden and unavailable to most inhabitants. So um, those who um, are of that, you know, controlling mindset um, have taken the world, their world, and have run down the road with it and left us in the dust. One of the terms that's used about on a more spiritual, conceptual level is like the, the fallen angels have stopped time in our world and that they're not allowing time to progress. They're holding us in a cage, a timeless cage where we cannot advance as soul beings. And so when you look at all the things that we're doing 
and uh, you know, like we're still using the internal combustion engine for cars, and we're still using chemicals to to uh, grow food and things like that. These these should have been gone a long time ago, but they're not because it's all part of, of the, the prison that we're held in. And that prison is being controlled by those who serve the dark forces. And, you know, that's, that's the dark entities off planet beings and forces. And anyone who's done any kind of channeling or, or done any kind of research into um, the esoteric arts knows exactly what I'm talking about. People, you know, do things like ayahuasca and they, they have these out-of-body experiences and they come back and they're like, holy crap, it's really dark out there. It's really ugly. And it's like, yeah, no kidding. What did you think it was going to be a picnic out there? You thought that was you're going to go to heaven? You're going to get a little taste of heaven out there? No, no, that's not how it works. And so the whole um, thing about this awakening is where uh, Nasara comes in. And as people awaken, that means people in power have to start uh, fighting against the awakenedness. And it's a fight they can't win. It, they, there's no way they can win it. So as the light increases, then those people who are in the positions of government, who are in positions of finance, who are in positions of lawmaking, start to say, you know, we're not doing this anymore. We're, we're going to do it the way it should be um, because they can see clearly that those who have been in control ha have been doing it very nefariously and basically stealing wealth and productivity from the people of this planet to the point where people are dying left and right because they can't even eat which is a ridiculous thing to, to even consider on a planet such as ours. It's just proof that everything is being taken from us. So they're saying enough, and they put together um, this transition. And Nasara, and I apologize, but I can't remember the acronym, is, is one of these systems that outline the transition. And they tried to put it in place. They were fought by the dark forces, uh, but it didn't go away. And it got resurrected through the agricultural community. This is my understanding um, that basically got together like a class action suit and said, we're doing this and we're going to um, take the, the construct of this thing called it used to be called Gisara, and now it's called Nisara. And we're going to move forward with it, and we're going to ensure that it, it you know, goes to fruition. Now, it hasn't gotten there yet, but this is what Trump is looking at. This is the financial construct that is being, I look at it, and I am very convinced that this is what they're basing the actions that they're taking. And if you look at what he's done with taking the Federal Reserve, which was a non-governmental entity, a private consortium of private banks, and he has folded that into the treasury. So now those banking entities no longer have control over the U.S. currency. 
And of course, the U.S. currency is the global currency. So that's a very powerful takeover right there. It really is the bottom line. It's like whoever wins this war right now in this country wins the world. And that's not BS or hyperbole. That's a very real statement. So we, we I mean, there's so many facets that are being dealt with right now. The, the financial aspect just being one of them. But if you look at the executive order that Trump signed in 2017 that talked about the um, taking of assets for any person or, or entity that is um, involved with human trafficking or sexual uh, child abuse, sexual abuse, or anything like that, it was a very broad definition, then you start to realize that the people who are the top of the organizers for human trafficking, which is the largest money-making business on the planet by far, then you start to realize that that is the way they're going to repatriate all this money. And that is what is fueling the transition from a financial standpoint. And that is what's going to underpin what we call Nasara and to allow it to actually be implemented because there's a foundation, a final, an actual monetary foundation underneath it. Okay. Does that make sense? Yes. And so as I understand it, it's taking, it's doing away with the federal reserve, which is connected to all of these really ill-intended long, long time old families and turning yes. it back to the gold standard. Yes and no. Um, the gold standard is is what you and I and many and, and I'm a I'm a, a precious metals person. So this is something that I have actually paid some attention to. Um, that was the uh, foundation for the monetary system uh, in the, our entire past, our entire history, and it has been completely usurped and taken over. Whether we go forward with a metals standard or not is still, in my opinion, open to debate. Now, we can get into cryptocurrencies. We can even get into the use of quantum technologies to be the foundation for a new financial system. Again, a, a, a much bigger conversation that's too big for today. But um, there are um, certainly viable paths forward. But the thing is, it, it has nothing to do with what we use. Those are just tools. What matters is the, the marginalizing of psychopaths so that they can't take over the system. Right. That's the bottom line. So much of this is happening at warp speed. Yes. And is that a timing issue that was well intended or is that just because they finally had Trump the leader who could well I think that um, all, all these things um, uh, were were carefully organized and put into place of course with any plan and this is a plan you have to adjust for situational uh, occurrences so game theory um, comes into play. You know, there's a lot of, of um, 
that kind of, of use of computer algorithms to determine uh, enemy moves and things like that. But um, their plan accounted for, um, you know, um, modifications going forward to such a degree that one just has to stand back in awe because every step of the way, no matter what the, the dark side threw at them, they had um, a way to deal with it. And you can only marvel at that because, you know, human beings don't have that capacity in all cases. This is something bigger. I don't quite fully understand how they're doing it. Um, but again, I have to put it down to just very, very smart people with very big hearts. And so it's, so we often see this whole thing that says, you know, good, good wins, you know, light, light to dark or dark to light, like yeah. God wins, good wins. And so really this is so much bigger. And that's when people say, say certain things to me about masks or this or that. I'm like, Hey, if, if, if we're still on that level, then I'm not sure that I can engage in this dialogue. Because, yeah, because right. I'm up here in the sense of like, this is a spiritual war. <laughs> yes. Right. Um, so, so a lot of people who, who, kind of come to me about this say well what what happens you know well, okay okay you say this well, what's next <laughs> yeah and uh and i don't know i mean to me it seems like it's more about elevating a consciousness to a space where you're not as affected and impacted by 3d kind of level of life right what what do you think about that well this is a thing about what is happening in terms of politics, policies, finance, all of that, that's very 3D level. However, that can't happen, that couldn't happen until we got to this point in terms of the human population reaching a certain level of awareness, all right? All those things are, have a relationship and it's all happening together and that's you know how it has to be that's not a that's not a cue plan that's the spiritual arena we're operating in so everybody is playing a role everybody is playing their part now when you talk about or when we talk about the quote-unquote great, great awakening you know it what does that even mean and what is there something causing that or is that something that is just sort of like a natural um spiritual evolution of a planet all of those things could be true but you can look at things to get an inkling that things are happening and one of the uh, examples i like to use is the schumann resonance and that's a vibration and, and again everything is vibration and any physicist will tell you that um, everything vibrates at a certain frequency our planet does, we do. And there's a scale that is used called the Hertz scale. So back in the day, let's say 100 years ago, everything vibrated on the same frequency, which is around 7.5 to 8 Hertz. So when you measure the atmosphere, it's 7.5 to 8 Hertz. When you measure human alpha wave, 
It's 7.5 to 8 hertz. You know, when you go in to get an EEG at the hospital, that's what they're seeing. That's the uh, frequency of your brain impulses. Now, however, there's a disparity. The human brain is still operating, you know, around uh, 8 hertz, but the planet resonance uh, uh, vibration has uh, gone up significantly. So that, co- oh, go ahead, finish your thought. Well, I just want to say that that disparity in frequency is an, is an out-of-balance situation. And so human beings are trying to catch up to that. People who have an easier time catching up to that vibration are the ones who are taking this in stride. They're not afraid. They're looking at the changes and they welcome them. Those are people who can go with the higher frequency. People who can't are like Antifa and people who have road rage and do crazy things in their cars. They're the ones who are feeling that disjointedness, this anxiety that's being produced by these disparities in their vibration versus the change all around us. I, I completely agree. And I recently uh, recorded with a lady who talks about viral energy and we had a lengthy discussion about how it is finally, you know, not just something that you put a battery in your flashlight and the light comes on and people think of that as energy, but rather people are thinking of themselves as beings of light and as beings of energy. And we truly are. And I think it's been very woo-woo up until recently. And now people are starting to realize even through Qigong and different things like that, um, that there is energy all around. And I was, I was describing to this lady how I, um, I have been witnessing energy. It's been a very interesting experience, but um, and people say, oh, it's just dust particles or whatever, but I can sit still and see it moving. And, it, and it's been a spectacular experience. And she actually said to me um, that it's probably because of, you know, vibrating, like, your energy level. Sure. It's, yeah. It's kind of neat. I, I've been doing a lot of meditations at uh, 432 hertz. Oh, wow. Which yep. has been so incredible. And I encourage anybody to, to try that. And we recently had uh, a guy on the podcast and we talked about even the Schumann resonance and the heartbeat. Yep of the earth and how it's been doing these amazing, amazing things. I mean, truly that like, it's, it's hard to deny it. And, and what's been difficult for me is, you know, is uh, when you have people around you in your life who are still very much on COVID-19 numbers and things like that. And it's like, yeah. oh gosh, you know, you want to help their hand and say, come with me, yeah. like, see this, you know? Right. Right. But it's, that's hard because, we have to um, remember that we're all here to experience this realm. And um, the way I see things is that, and it's not me, it's the masters who I study under, that um, we choose to come here to have this particular experience. Now, that word does not have a positive or negative connotation and experience is just that and it is only that it is we who put a positive or negative spin on it so when we talk about wanting to help somebody 
or being altruistic or anything that impacts another human being, we really need to start thinking about just exactly what we think we're doing. Because, you know, we to interfere with somebody else's experience because we don't like it, because we think it's not good for them. I mean, that's a that's a tricky area. That's very 3D. You're right. You're right. And I think for me, it means it's more about um, it's more about uh, having a difficult time being in that space and having those conversations myself. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And, and that's really, you're right. I need to focus on that and then say, okay, that's okay. You know, it, it's, yes, yeah. yeah. I mean, we're, we're always implored to allow. Allow what is happening. Don't take it as something good or bad. It just is what is happening. Now, we all have our relationships to the outer world, and that's as it should be. That's why we're here. But we have to more carefully consider our actions with regard to that relationship. And you can look out. And, of course, you know, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. That, again, is not a glib saying (laughs) that has no meaning. That's a very uh, powerful saying that has a lot of meaning. And so for people who think it's their life's work to go and help everybody on the planet... I kind of want to look at them and think, I'm not sure that's really what you really should be doing, but okay, uh, that's what I guess you're going to do. And so, um, you know, we really need to to get our own house in order before we can really do justice to the to anything outside of us. Um, and again, I say that as somebody who is on the rung of the ladder, like everybody else. And I, I'm on my rung and I, I interact with the world in the way I feel I can best do that with the best of intention. And I have to honor everybody else because they're all just like me. They're just on a different location. That's all. That's the only difference. I like the ladder analogy a lot. I think I will use that, um, you know, in my own thoughts and, and considerations. I really like that. Yeah. Um, so two, two more things before you go, just real quick. Uh, Elon Musk posted, tweeted um, about, he, 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 he tweeted the Illuminati today. Have you seen that yet? Um, I did. Um, I didn't pay much attention to it. I saw it because I was doing some research on energy and um, that came across, but I was focused on something else. So I didn't um, pay a lot of attention to it. But um, Elon Musk has been tweeting a lot of things. And um, while some of them might seem interesting and some might even sound like he's working with the white hats in a very direct way. I'm very careful with him. Yes. Yes. That's, that was my, uh, you know, I, I often like some of the things he says, cause he's got a lot of wit about him. Yes. Um, but I, I have a hesitation. I'm with you on that. Okay. And then last question, JFK jr. Vincent, Vincent Fusca, Fusca. Mm-hmm. thoughts? 
You know, um, I'm, I'm kind of with Dave Hayes, praying medic on this one. I'm not sure it does anybody any good to focus on that. We can all come up with lots of reasons that why he's alive and lots of reasons why he is not alive. And while I may have my opinion and I can hold on to them strongly, I see this as something whose time is not here yet with regard to a more open conversation about it. I think once we get past the election, that will be a more vibrant conversation and a more useful one. So um, I, I have a, I'm taking more of a no comment as opposed to falling on one side of the fence or the other. And I, I apologize for not being direct on my answer with this, but I do it out of love and deference to uh, the people who are um, just working through all of the other things that are happening right now and that um, and that, you know, it's a full enough plate that I think um, delving into this particular subject uh, is um, not uh, as useful. So that that has to be my answer for now. I like that. I, I find it. Um as kind of like reading the tabloids, like the Hollywood, <laughs> yeah. you know, the, the Hollywood allure that gets, um, you know, some people to open. That's, that's kind of how I see it personally, but yeah. um, either way, like you said, how it plays out, what it won't really matter until we know what the role of it would be anyway. So yeah. It, right. It's kind of irrelevant, but it is, um, you know, I grew up with a British grandma who always had the Royals in the bathroom. <laughs> uh-huh, <yes. laughs> so for me, I kind of compare it to that, you know, yep. it's, it's kind of like that. Um, oh, it's, Jim, it's a wonderful thing to contemplate. Uh, but I think it's more of a, it should be a personal contemplation now instead of a, an open dialogue, but I definitely get the allure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So the Great Awakening map is massive. I mean, you can't even zoom in on it hardly. And there's just so much to it. And I am so honored that you took the time to to just share some some insight on, you know, just the tip of the iceberg. I mean, literal tip of the iceberg. Well, um, yeah, it, it's just, uh, an ongoing conversation. And, uh, and I am honored uh, to be asked. Uh, and I do consider it a part of my job uh, in all facets of life to uh, do everything I can to help people uh, answer their questions and to try to move this whole thing forward in my own little way. Uh, I'd love to have you back on at some point to talk about the hexagon on Saturn and Nibiru and just all of these <laughs> other, you know, kind of things. Right. But, well, um, we didn't talk about free energy, but we'll save that I, for the next one. I have that on here. I, I know. And that's such a big one. So um, yeah. maybe we can just schedule a time and just focus on that. Yep. Because um, I'm sure people's minds are spinning right now. <laughs> well, yeah. No, it's... Uh, and that's... That's really a subject that that needs some uh, background. And uh, but I will just end by saying that there is a, an executive order for uh, not that very thing, but the U.S. energy grid. That's one of Trump's um, executive orders. So there's some meat and potatoes there on that one. Oh, my gosh. We need to have an entire episode just on that. Uh, so, so thank you again for coming on. And we'll definitely get you back to talk about the free energy sooner than later. <laughs> you bet. It's been my pleasure. 
This has been a BU Find Happy podcast. For more inspiration, check out the links.